Hey everybody, Kip here. I just want to say a couple things. First off, thanks to Eric of the Hard Marks Podcast for coming on. It was a lot of fun. And second, uh, this episode got delayed for a couple of weeks, so there are some wrestling current events that are no longer current by the time this comes out. And third, uh, there's a point where I'm asked who would play New Jack in a New Jack movie. Just pretend I, I said uh, not Denzel, but Denzel's friend. I did have a moment though where I was like, wait, are we recording an episode of Common Ride with me or of, of your show? <laughs> I had to check. I was like, always, good, always good to clarify on whose show are we recording right now. Always a good idea. Hello, you're saying to come ride with me. I'm your host, Kip, and with me is my guest. Hello! Hello! Nice to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm very happy to talk about some kaiju big battle and, and anything else that we happen to uh, to delve into here today. Yeah, there's a lot interesting, like, crossover stuff. But, like, first off, um, what's your show about? Like, um... Yeah, yeah. So I'd say kind of the short version is it's very much a, a comedy podcast. Uh, but anybody who has even just a passing interest in wrestling, I think it's it's appealing to anybody who has maybe maybe watched wrestling in the past. You have any sort of inkling towards it. The gist of it is that I, as a wrestling fan of, of over 30 years now, uh, not to date myself, but I introduce one professional wrestling match to my friend who's never watched it before. And so I kind of get his take, uh, see what he thinks about professional wrestling, you know, kind of get his questions and things that as an outsider, I kind of gloss over and don't really think about. So it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I've likened it to being a mixture of like a pro wrestling podcast and the Ricky Gervais show. He's very much my Carl Pilkington and has very interesting takes on just about every scenario that I throw his way. Which is interesting, too, because like it's very much um, like we're doing a very similar show just in like a different area. Like a lot of people are like, oh, Kip, like what's like Tokuba? And like for your show, it sounds like, hey, Eric, like what's going on in wrestling? What's a dog collar match? Like what's a Loser right. Town match kind of thing, you know? Exactly. And I think that there is like this innate appeal of you know, taking someone and introducing them to a topic that they know nothing about. I think everybody like with their respective fandoms, you know, there's a part of you that wishes like, what if I could take someone who knew nothing and kind of introduce them and kind of have them follow the same path that I went down, you know, when I was a kid or, or you know, whatever the case may be. And so being able to kind of live through that uh, has been has been very interesting, almost forcing someone to <laughs> retrace your steps through your fandom. And like back in the day, like you just had to have kids. And that's how you did that. <laughs> right, exactly. And and that may even still happen someday. You never know. But but yeah, the idea that, you know, we can do the same thing with, you know, other adults via the m- means of podcasting, it's it's crazy. But I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I've had the opportunity to do it. Uh, so if anybody is interested in checking it out, Hardmark Podcast, it's available uh, everywhere. You know, Google, uh, Spotify, where, wherever else you, you listen to your favorite podcast, including this lovely podcast that I happen to be on here today. 
Yeah. And like, it's like very interesting too. Cause like right now there's this resurgence of interest in fandom that I think because the barrier of entry is so low that you can engage with something without like having to feel this big commitment that you might of like, how do I get like some like tapes and that kind of stuff, which is like mm-hmm. a thing for like both fandoms, like where now you can look at something, see the enthusiasm and like, it's, both easier to become like an entry-level fan and not to judge fandom but also like Mm -hmm. it's like very appealing like to have like those rabbit holes that's part of the reason why like you saw like the big like mid-2010s like boom in like wrestling where like it just felt like a lot of people were way more interested in way more wrestling at the end yeah i mean definitely it feels that way especially like right now with all the different companies that exist i think that there's probably more wrestling on television now than there has been since Jeez, I don't know, the 70s, 80s? It it feels like it's everywhere. You can turn on literally any channel and it feels like there's always going to be wrestling there somewhere. And like, it just feels like um, there's a lot of people who are like escaping just thinking about it through like one lens and like that are sampling more and having like a more diverse like taste. Like um, Mm -hmm. what companies are you like following? I would say, so <clears throat> the one that I probably keep up with on a, on a weekly basis would be AEW. I usually watch Same. their uh, main TV show. I, I don't really follow Dark or Elevation so much, their YouTube stuff. Um, but that's the main one. WWE, I sort of, I follow more casually. I'll usually just kind of watch clips online and see if mm-hmm. there's anything worth checking out from that standpoint. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with like, impact i follow new japan a little bit closer um i I do have a subscription to new japan world that i don't watch as often as i probably should Uh, but those are kind of the main main companies that i'm following these days and i did go to uh the tokyo dome for uh the wrestle kingdom 2020 or actually no 2020 would have been the pandemic right or yeah yeah that would have been the pandemic. it would have been right before the pandemic okay so i was in japan right before the pandemic hit and so i was at that 2020 tokyo dome show so that was what, like Jericho, like Tanahashi, that one, like the like big like Forbidden yep. Door talk. Exactly. That was when kind of the first AEW New Japan things were hinted at. Yeah. So Jericho, Tanahashi, Naito, Okada, okay. um, a couple of other matches. Uh, I think Tanahashi or Takahashi versus Osprey, I think, was on that show too. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I really want to go to like um to go to the Tokyo Dope someday. That's a big goal for me, honestly. It's amazing. I if I I would love to go back to to Japan someday. If I ever did, I would love to go to kind of maybe one of like the smaller shows. Now that I've done the big dome show, the dome was amazing. Uh, but I I it it only scratched that itch and and made me want to see like different venues, different things. But uh, I would highly recommend it. I I loved my time there. Like going to the dome must like immediately like make you think like, man, I got to get to the Budokan real quick. I got to like. <laughs> right there you know <laughs> exactly yeah it's it, it's it's uh akin to like a, a u.s wrestling fan you know going to like madison square garden it only makes you want to go to like other spots but yeah i would love to go to budokan i would love to go to oh gosh whatever the arena is corkin hall right is that the other yeah, one? Cor- big one that's yeah. right corkin hall i would love to go there uh, i just feel like tickets would be so like scarce to come by as, a, as probably a foreigner, but that would be something i would love to do that must be like um like being like a Mets fan though like oh like most people have like season passes like it's not like there's lots of like roaming tickets for like those like smaller venues probably 
Yeah, I would assume so for sure. And I know like just kind of buying tickets from outside of Japan, you had to kind of go through this third party system. And uh, I I had no idea what actual seats I was purchasing until I picked them up the day of the show. So I, I luckily ended up with like not front row ringside, but front row of the bleachers, um, which was like the best possible seats we could have gotten. So I was I was very happy. Yeah. Um. So I also follow AEW mostly clips for Impact and like for like WWE. I um kind of follow New Japan, but I actually have a subscription to um uh the big like Cyber Agent one, and like I try and keep up with um Tokyo Joshi Pro and like DDT a little bit closer. Okay. But don't really do that that great, honestly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I understand. I'm I'm also equally. Uh, as stress for time when it comes to kind of following up a lot of the the Japanese stuff, but that I haven't I know of the the Tokyo Joshi Pro stuff. Honestly, I think and and eventually we'll get to it. Of course, I think that that DDT um, match that we saw the half DDT half Kaiju mm-hmm. big battle that was that great. was the first exposure that I'd had to uh, those DDT guys before. If I had one promotion, it would probably be either DDT or like. AEW, like just because of like the variety of like what goes on and like the skill level like what do you like look like oh like some of the world's best wrestlers passed like through there you know it's wild mm-hmm. i'm curious because it seemed like for a while uh it, it felt like aew kind of were resigning themselves like okay everybody wants this new japan partnership it may not end up coming to fruition so you know, Omega did a couple of DDT shows. It seemed like they were kind of testing the waters with that being their kind of official Japanese partner. But then, you know, over the past couple months or so, it seems like now it's sort of leaning towards, you know, that New Japan partnership. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. Do you do you have like sort of a, a favorite wrestler these days? Oh, favorite these days. I mean, like there's easy ones. Like there's like people like um, Hey Madam Page. Like I like um, Hyper Masao and like Tokyo Joshi, I'm um really glad about like Shingo in like New Japan, that kind of stuff. But like um mm-hmm. what about you for that? Oh gosh, that's always I, I should have expected the question was gonna come back at me. I think I I just you know you I, I listened to you know some of your older shows we, we talked about a little bit before we started recording here today, where you kind of went to the uh Rochester WWE show and saw you know, Luke Harper at the time, Brody Lee. Yeah. Uh, I think just that, that homerness of being based out of the Seattle area. I think I have to say Daniel Bryan or else be communicated outside of, of the Seattle region. It's just wild. How many like incredible dudes just like have this real, like hometown appeal. And kind of like have this like real, like genuine energy, like no offense to like John Cena and like Boston, like, which I can say because like I'm from Boston, but uh, mm-hmm. it's not the same as like someone like Brody Lee in Rochester. There's like a different feeling there when you're not a place that has like nine rings in the past like 15 years and like different sports. Right. You know, like it's like a different thing. I absolutely agree. There's there's kind of like a a, a rarefied air when you look over the past like I don't know five six years or so or maybe if you want to extend that out to include CM Punk, but there's only really a handful of guys where like, if let's just say raw off the top of my head, if raw was going to be in a specific city, like there were times where I would specifically check out that episode just to see, okay, what type of reaction is there? Is that hometown guy going to be like, like a Kurt angle in Pittsburgh, a CM Punk in Chicago, 
in a Daniel Bryan in, in Seattle type of thing. No, yeah, I I really want to do that too. Like uh, I'm a, a like pretty recent like convert to like wrestling. Like um, I hadn't really been to much like shows. Like I, like what like a Boston like house show with my little cousin in like mid 2015 like 2016 but then like i also like didn't actually like go to like a show and like get into it to like that on, on like rochester show like a month before wrestlemania like kofi mania time and right. like we were into that like my household like me and my partner but then um also double or nothing happened <laughs> right after right. that and that was like oh shit <laughs> like this is like very clearly the new shit in like a major way yeah i felt like aew was on such a string of hot shows and like really the the main thing that differentiated them versus wwe like even taking aside the creative elements the booking that sort of thing their crowds were so into every single thing that they were doing like it's the closest thing that i've seen to like classic ecw from the 90s mm-hmm. where like these fans love these guys and you can't help but just watch on tv and be sucked into just how over everybody is and so i think that once crowds do start coming back and, the, and those companies do start touring again like aew is going to be a really serious challenger to wwe based solely off of the fact that those crowds are so hot their 2020 was so hot right up until the pandemic and like they still did like had a spectacular year like mm-hmm. especially when you take things like into like consideration but holy shit like that was just like they were and like when crowds came back for like when they just did like double or nothing the pop mm-hmm. that like you still had people like hangman page like who's kind of been like doing nothing for a little bit like it was still as red hot which is wild yeah, no, that like it that I think that pay-per-view double or nothing really highlighted the main strength of AEW and I think when they do start to to tour again when it whenever it, like July, is it July or August something like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like cuz like their June's basically like a lost month like cuz they're like like constantly being like preempted everything mm-hmm. like weird times. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing their shows once that starts happening again. I think that the, you know, they made the best of what they could. Like, I don't fault them for anything, but, you know, I think that the busyness of some of their shows really kind of was more obvious when you were just in that same venue over and over and over. And so being on the road, I think, will will help with that a lot. One thing that I like think that um, is very strong in AEW that like I feel like was lost for me, like looking at some older, like mid two thousands, like SmackDown, like Raw stuff, I was like, oh, people matter when they're not the main people. People matter when they're not like the main like pushers. Like you can mm-hmm. still see like someone like Joey Janela like have like a big moment with the crowd, despite the fact that he's not their like top guy. You know, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. I mean, like look at you know, like a guy like John Silver. Like, could he eventually be? <laughs> a main eventer eventually yeah but like right now he doesn't even need to be that like people would go ape shit for him just him showing up and like he doesn't even need to win any matches like he can go like toe-to-toe with some guy for 10-15 minutes come up short and still be like super over so i do i absolutely agree they're doing a great job with kind of building that undercard people like john silver people like jungle boy um and and like that next generation they're setting up really really well and like once they're at like full crowd with like their roster in this place where like they've kept a lot of like 
like when they started, like there was lots of complaints, like oh, like you're taking like all the energy from like like what was like Kenny Omega hottest in the world, and like you're like giving it out. There's stuff like that where it's like oh, like I really feel like they were able to like make their roster feel very sustainable and like greater than like one or two people too. Yeah, yeah, and I've actually been surprised the number of like bodies that they've been bringing in. It's shocking <laughs> it's how wild. large their roster is. I mean, I guess. It's what they were always had in the plans. Now they're kind of adding a, a second show, which I, I guess I'm not really sure how I feel about you just yet. Um, but but uh, I mean, it's it's it makes for exciting TV just because you don't know you know who's going to be on the show, like you know who they're going to pull from that roster, that sort of thing. And for the most part, you know, I think that the pickups that they have made with Christian uh, and Miro, uh, guys like that, I think have been really good. Andrade, um, yeah, I'm really hoping that uh, Tommy End. Uh, Alistair Black, I, I think that he was a huge miss from WWE. I thought for sure when that dude was in NXT, this guy's going to be the next Undertaker. He fills that slot, but in like an updated, like modern sort of way, uh, and they totally dropped the ball on him. So I think that he would be a huge get, and I could see him having amazing matches with just about everybody on their roster. Yeah, no, and I feel like it takes like such an interesting way like the way they handle someone like pack i'm like oh wow they're able to keep somebody fresh and like relevant despite the fact that like they haven't technically like done a big moment with them you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I i like i would have liked for them to have done more with him but at the same time like i get he's been not in the country oh, <laughs> this yeah, whole time big but thing. his performance in that pay-per-view main event or semi-main event whatever it was um, was great. I think that he is still definitely somebody you can plug in at the top of the card and have it make a whole ton of sense. Uh, quick question for you. Do you think that one of the end goals of this whole Kenny Omega belt collector angle thing, is it a New Japan world title, IWGP title match uh, for unification? Not for unification, like with like the AEW title or anything, but uh, <laughs> I think... It's definitely the end goal in the sense of like you want to get weed after prom, but, but like <laughs> you'll be fine if you just get beer kind of thing. Like, right, sure. Like, it's just kind of like a. I can get on board with that analogy. It's on the whiteboard. Right. It's circled three times. However, <sighs> it's circled three times because they also have a full plan if they never make it happen. Right. Yeah. I'm sure their their plan A is probably this won't happen, but there's a plan B that they are just like holding out hope for because oh my gosh. Omega like I don't even there's a multitude of guys that if they did end up doing that match, like I never even thought about the prospect of Omega versus Shingo, but that would be amazing. Right. You have Omega versus Osprey. You could always go back to the well and do Okada, Abushi, you know, any of those would be incredible. But I, I just think it would be such a cherry on top of that Sunday. If he could like you not unify, that's the wrong word, but yeah. add that belt to the collection. I feel like then you have literally every single major title, well, outside of Ring of Honor, but you know, whatever. Uh <laughs> then you have every single major title outside of that WWE universe. And like he becomes like this super Ultimo Dragon figure uh from the nineties, but with all the heavyweight titles. I really have to wonder if NWA is gonna fuck it up for themselves. Or if they're going to get on that train. Oh, 
oh, do you mean like having Aldis drop the NWA title to Omega? Or I've seen stuff like, hey, like he drops it to like Dustin Rhodes and Dustin like is finally the only person in his family like who didn't have that like and then like he gets squashed and like Nick and Cody are like trying to get like revenge on, on like Kenny or like, oh, he squashes Cody to show that he's like completely like far gone and like leaves him like super bloody or something, you know, and that kind of thing. Right. I don't know. That's interesting. I didn't really, you know, when I think of all the different promotions that are out there these days, I always forget about the NWA. I really liked power when it kind of first um, started airing. I actually did kind of keep up with with watching it, um, you know, for the first probably six months or so. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It seems like the bond between Impact and AEW is a lot stronger than nwa and AEW, even though like you still have like serena deeb i know she's not the champion anymore but you know for a while there she was nwa women's champion but you're not really seeing that crossover the same way that you do with impact so i'm wondering yeah what the terms of that agreement are in place i'm not quite sure because you got to look and you have to be like oh who were people's favorite people on power and it was like thunder rosa ricky starks like zicky dice eddie kingston right the rock and roll express who have all done stints in some way (laughs) exactly right and then you also i even forgot about that then you have mlw out on the outskirts too it's almost like you could take like these different promotions and make like a big smash brothers uh situation out of the whole thing it's very interesting to think about but yeah i think at this point aew is probably focused on like hey can we get new japan in the fold a little bit more you know once things open up uh, I would assume that they're not so worried about trying to add like the NWA and MLW or Ring of Honor titles in, but who, who knows? It's very interesting. And I do like the fact that they are very inclusive of like all these different companies as opposed to kind of that sheltered WWE mentality where, you know, we're the only game in town. We're not even going to acknowledge all these different companies. And like of the three, they would probably try and loot nwa like they might want ring of honor but like i feel like they don't really care like i think they want to get something from japan on kenny maybe it'll just be like ddt or maybe some kind of like all japan deal but i feel like new japan's what they want and also if they somehow miraculously manage it like noah but that's even less likely than mm-hmm. like new japan i feel like yeah, I would have to say New Japan, especially with like Yuji Nagata and Mox, seems like Moxley's like really the glue that's kind of tying the whole thing together, which is crazy to think about, you know, if you told me that a couple of years ago. But uh, I'd say New Japan's probably the the front runner and then DDT and then who then you probably have a cluster of, of other Japanese companies that would kind of be, you know, underneath that. Yeah, and I um do just love, like you said, like their whole like multiverse thing. It's just like adds so much to like all they're doing that like they like could have stuff like here's like Arn Anderson out here and like here's like a a like complete like reference to something that happened in like 1991 you know right yeah for sure I, I yeah the the idea that you have like this almost fantasy style booking where you can have Arn Anderson you know with Cody Rhodes on one side and then you have Taz managing you know who, yeah like Ricky Starks or somebody like it's just it's this crazy amalgam of all these like 90 superstars that you would have never imagined in the same company at the same time, but, but it, it's happening. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what happens with AEW in the future. And, and, you know, I, outside of kind of just like the things that we've talked about so far, I just feel so much better as a human being supporting AEW than I do supporting WWE. 
No, yeah. And like it's like it's still like a major corporation, but at least like it's not one that has shown like super open disdain for like the fans, the world around them, the people that work there. Like it's like, oh, like this is like maybe my barometer of like corporation good is like, well, that's still kind of low, but it's like they're on the higher end of that like low standard for me, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. And like, I I feel like their heart has been in the right place. Like there have been a couple of missteps. I mean, everybody points to like the Matt Hardy thing where he got the concussion in the middle of the match and yeah, which was absolutely bad. But I feel like that was not like a malicious thing. That was sort of like this growing pains and an inexperienced young company who's still trying to kind of get their feet under them about like, what do you do in those types of situations? And I do think, you know, the fact that not only did they not release anybody who didn't do, you know, outside of the people do shitty things, but they didn't release anybody during the pandemic. They brought in a whole slew of like extra talent that ordinarily would not have been working during that time frame. I just think they're a super good company to have in the world of wrestling. Yeah, a super no, totally. Thing. Like as much fun as like it was to have the Indies, like it feels like a net positive, like a lot of that big energy went into like a new company but also it feels like the indies are gonna repopulate and like keep that steam with like new people like ninja mac and stuff and like all of like um like what's going on with like gcw and like also like who compare like those like two major companies compare sammy guevara's vlog to zach Ryder inventing youtube for wrestling and how they were treated you know <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think the indies are going to be really, really interesting. I remember before all this pandemic start stuff started, I was kind of like fantasy booking in my head. Like, what if this new version of the NWA was kind of unite all these different indies from all over, you know, the United States? And then you have kind of like this newer version of the NWA, something like that, which I guess is still a possibility, but I'm very interested to see how things play out. That's kind of what AEW is actually doing, though, is like, can we be like old school NWA, but also WCW, but also like let's be ECW and also and also. <laughs> right, exactly. And then also this other company. Yeah, it's it's definitely an amalgam of a lot of these different things. But I would be I would feel like it was super cool. So we have a promotion uh, out here in, in the Seattle region. Like our big super indie is, is Defy Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it would be cool. Like if you had like your Defy champion in Seattle, like you had like your PWG, they're probably too big for it. But let's. If we're talking fantasy, it can be whatever. You know, you've got your PWG champion out of Southern California. You know, you've got your GCW champion. And then maybe you kind of have like one touring guy that goes around and like has a super belt between all these different things. Like that, I would love that if these different promotions could come together and kind of make an agreement of something like that. Yeah, that's kind of like what people want that like whole like crossover. And like, it's just like such a more interesting thing to happen to be like oh here's this clash of styles and like here's this like just like feels like the world is so much more open and there's like like the fact that people popped for maki ito despite the fact that she's never shown up on like any television that's wild she would get such a huge reaction just like you know anywhere anywhere they tour to i would be very curious to see the reaction to maki ito yeah and um it's just a lot like i'm like really glad that like they're at least like also keeping like a positive relationship with like smaller companies like that too where it's like oh okay this is good <laughs> like you're not trying to like eat them you know right yeah well i even remember and i, th- I think this this had to be pre-pandemic but I, if i recall right 
WWE had pulled some guys from like a, a local UK show, and then AEW ended up like sending guys uh, to work that show in their in Damn. their stead. So they're definitely keeping an eye out on that type of thing, and and you know I'm appreciative of it because I, I I do love going to just like my local independent wrestling show, and so having that scene available is is a good thing for everybody. Yeah, it totally is, and um, this is a a weird point for it, but um. Something I want to do is that we often get asked on this show, or like we often like explain to people um, what tokusatsu is. So I actually want to ask, uh, which maybe should happen before we like um, have that whole like fanboy the conversation. But um, what's wrestling? What's professional wrestling? <laughs> yeah, uh, to define it. <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, so I, I've never, I've never performed as a professional wrestler before. So I want to preface what I'm going to say with this. But in my opinion, I think professional wrestling is the greatest form of performance art in the world. And the reason that I say that is because if you look at like any other artist, so take like a musician or a stand-up comedian or anyone who really performs in front of a live crowd, you know, what are they what are they doing? What is the goal of what that person is trying to do? You know, they, in the case of a stand-up comedian, they're trying to make people laugh. Like, that's their goal. If they don't do that, they're probably not doing a very good job at it, unless you're Andy Kaufman. If if you are a musician, you know, you're, you're playing music, but it's, it's, it's things, for the most part, taking jam bands out of the equation. You know, it's things that you've kind of pre-written and, like, you're going through those notes. The thing that I love about pro wrestling is if you are a professional wrestler, you basically know, especially in the indies, less WWE, but if you're on the indies... You know the amount of time that you have for your match, and you know who is expected to win that match and who is expected to lose that match. Outside of that, it's up to you to figure out, okay, do I want to tell a funny story? Do I want to make people scared of me? Do I want... like You can elicit whatever reaction you want to from the audience. The only limitation is your own abilities. And I think that's the thing that I find so intriguing about professional wrestling is like it's really up to the performance to just use all the artistic creativity that they have and express whatever they're trying to convey uh, to the audience, which that may not have been the question you're asking me specifically, but I know that was something on my mind recently and I wanted to get it out there in front of people. Something very interesting too about wrestling is that um, not always, but I think like often enough that it really informs the, what the um, like content, like like that like performance is um is that outside of that finish to like a match and like the story beats you also decide who your character is in a lot of ways like there are certainly matches where like we want to build up that you have a hurt knee but there are totally matches where people will take the tact of here is me and i'm injured here is me and i am like being worn down i am having to push through and overcome here is me and I am like trying my old tag team partners like finisher and I'm losing the match. And like, there's like right. this cool, like character direction and like the way that like someone like Will Smith, like um has like a like writer that goes into scripts that he's like attached to and like makes it. So he's consistently sounding like Will Smith across all of his scripts. Wrestlers yeah. do that with improv and like character work on the fly, which is so interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to keep going back to AEW, but you take somebody like Orange Cassidy and within what, 10, 15 seconds, you immediately know what this character is. Like, you know what this guy's all about. 
and, and like he doesn't have to say any words. And I think that's the thing that I just love about professional wrestling is like you within seconds of seeing these characters exactly know, okay, I shouldn't like this guy. I should like this guy. Like, let's see what happens from there. And, and uh, that's, I think the really, really the appeal of pro wrestling for me. And I think that um, wrestling had this weird point where um, it was revealed that it was a like predetermined or like scripted, like event that it wasn't an actual fight. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that kind of like stuck in people's like, ma and how they viewed it like it felt like for years where they're like oh this isn't important this is just like pretend this isn't like mma or like whatever and i think um that's definitely something that like with stuff like toku um you get how people feel that way about practical effects regardless of the content of like the actual thing they're like oh i can tell this isn't real it's like well yeah like the point <laughs> is the irreality it is the connection to reality it is to take a look at things that don't match reality, but they still do despite that, like to see these strange things. I think like that's like a common thread between those two, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting that, uh, that I, I, cause I, yeah, I, I, again, I don't really have a whole lot of insight into kind of like the common writer scene and Toku in a, as a general uh, sort of concept or anything, but that I could see people, you know, seeing the explosion, seeing the fight scenes and kind of, you know, being very dismissive about it and like, oh, that's fake um, in much the same way as pro wrestling. Like, um, OK, so if you don't want to be spoiled on any toku, I'm going to be very vague about this to, to our listeners. But there is a series that um, ends. It has like this whole arc about these like two characters who like one is trying to reach out and be friends with the other, but the like person who does not want to be friends is very much like, I am like actually not human. And like, I'm like diametrically opposed by my creation to humanity existing, but I'm growing to love humans. And then like, uh, how that show ends is that basically, um, to stop the apocalypse um the character that spent that whole show trying to to be friends also becomes a like inhuman being and says since there's two of us neither one of us gets to start the apocalypse which like the last man standing would also we're best friends probably lovers and we can never see each other again. And we're immortal. <laughs> and like, it's like that. It's, it's like that gets like telegraphed by a character's blood, like dripping from their mouth, turning green. And it's like, oh, that's super hokey, but also it matters there. And like, mm-hmm. like um, with wrestling, like there's stuff like, oh, I'm going to put my hands into my pocket now in defiance. Like I'm going right. to randomly bust out this thing, you know? For sure, yeah, and, and you know, the, it definitely is a, is an evolution uh, of of the, sort of that art form and and whatnot. Um, but but yeah, I do like, you know, I, I'm not one of those people. Even though I've been watching for gosh, seems like forever now, I'm not one of those people who looks at Orange Cassidy like, oh, he's killing the business or anything like that. You know, I I can understand that. You know, it is a show. Um, I can suspend my disbelief, but also at the same time, like there is a a narrative arc to all these things, and there's like a purpose behind you know, why they're happening. So I, I, I have a pretty good grasp of kind of keeping that in mind. And, but, uh, but I, I guess I can understand how certain people would be dismissive of that just because I've, 
you know, been arguing that point my whole life. It feels like we're at a point with fandom and information where people no longer care if something isn't real. They care about the reality in it. It's like, oh, I know that like this person I'm watching on YouTube isn't actually constantly like messing around with like computer stuff, but like mm-hmm. they're playing this role and they're doing this thing. And I think like you like see like the rise in these like gimmicks that are obviously fake. Like there's full on matches like of like invisible man versus like invisible stand where it's two invisible wrestlers and the crowd is reacting even though they can't see them. Right. Yeah. There's that, the slow motion stuff, et cetera. Um, which, you know, there, there, there's a time and a place for this. Like, would I, would I like an entire show that's all like that? Probably not so much, but you know, as a, as an interlude, um, you know, I, I think it was Mick Foley who said like a good wrestling show is like a circus performance. Like you've got your clowns, you've got your acrobats, you know, you've got your, your lion tamer. So you have all these different acts to sort of appeal to what different people's sensibilities are. And so I think that a good wrestling show kind of follows that, uh, same methodology. And also like the same stuff gets boring after a while. Like you want to have that variety. Like if you watch like a, like fight scene compilation, at a certain point, it's just noise. Like even if like the fifty third minute like is like the best minute, it's the fifty third minute. You know, right for sure. And like I, there was a point recently where I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go and revisit some of the old stuff. Like maybe you know I, I would feel differently or, or kind of like just see see what that was about. See if like there really was kind of like this this change and maybe a degradation in quality of professional wrestling. And I've been going back and I've been watching like some seventy stuff. Oh, it has been a slog, let me tell you. So oh. I'm, I'm, I personally am glad that the evolution has been made in pro wrestling. I think from a fan experience, it's much, much better now than it you know, was back then. And it's also like, it's just serving like a different purpose now too, where it's not like trying to be carny in the same way of like, um, let's show like this man that I found in Zimbabwe and isn't this super <laughs> racist. It's like, oh, let's have a weird parasocial phantom relationship. Like it's like a different kind of Cardi. But. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not trying to like, I, I think there's a difference between trying to trick people and like, uh, and like letting people suspend their disbelief. And, and so I think that that's kind of where that fine line is for me is like, just allow me to kind of suspend my disbelief. You know, even if a character like Orange Cassidy, if I at least get like the motivation behind that, I can, take a step back and like not overanalyze it too much and kind of realize where it fits into the story. So no, uh, we should probably uh, actually talk about what we're here to, to talk about though, which is um, a smaller wrestling promotion that might actually be the biggest. That is Kaiju big battle. I, so correct me if I'm wrong. Did they have a show that used to be broadcast on G4 years ago? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I had seen snippets of it from back then, but I, I it's not something that I followed, but I was aware of its existence um, from from back then. But honestly, I didn't know when it had started, and I didn't actually know that it was still kind of going on to to this day. Okay, um, I believe they started in the Boston area or like the like Eastern Mass area, and that's where I like grew up, like near Boston. Um, mm-hmm. So I was definitely like aware of them, like merch or posters or like dvds um for years my only real like reference point was i have like a 2006 like dvd 
of like one of their shows and it's um in this like playlist of um youtube clips which i um will put in the show notes uh, for people too uh the second to last thing is a like music video uh called like peel me now like about like silver potato like a main face character there and like that was on that and like to see it's like been going on for years with like twitch and e3 and like g4 that's great good for them i will say uh having not like i was only familiar with professor cube that was the only character that i that i knew about going into watching these clips uh after having watched all of them i'm a big silver potato guy yeah and um so with wrestling there's lots of terms but like i feel like a lot of them have like entered pop culture a little bit or like or maybe it's just like the way people talk on twitter but like a like face is like a like good guy like a heel is like a bad guy like a tweener is like a in between like anti-hero like type maybe um mm-hmm. there's like stuff like spots or like when you're doing like a like gif basically like when you're gifing it's a spot uh <laughs> and yeah um but like i feel like the language of wrestling has been so disseminated that it's maybe not necessary for some things but like if there's just like a moment like where we think something might need definition like let's like make sure we have that but um just i think this is a really fun look at look at kayfabe and kayfabe is like the reality of wrestling as separate from the actual reality but like i think like kaiju big battle when it came out maybe the world wasn't super ready for this feeling of kayfabe but it feels like a super good concept now you know yeah when do you know when they actually got started i tried looking it up a little bit i saw records uh going back to 2009 but you're saying you have like a dvd from 2006 i'm pretty sure they were like between 1998 2002 wow that's crazy yeah so it's been a minute they've been around um 1994 is what it says Wow, 1994. That's that's nuts. I had no idea. Do, and and not to to you may be covering these things in your notes, but one thing that I was curious about as I was watching through these, they are they training their own people to wrestle, or are they kind of bringing guys in that are real? Re- I saw that there were obviously a couple real wrestlers that I'm sure we'll talk about. When I say real wrestlers, I'm talking about like name wrestlers who have yeah, made a yeah. name for them themselves outside i'm sure that everyone's in some form or fashion a real wrestler there uh but are they like bringing guys in and putting them in masks or are they kind of training their own people primarily do you know i do not know part of me thinks that this is maybe like the weekend warrior wrestling of like here are the people who know that their upper ceiling is inhibited by being dressed like a burger but they still like to wrestle, <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, anyone who's been to an independent wrestling show, you can kind of see the guys who are on the way up, and you can also see the guys who are just kind of content to do what they're doing on the weekends. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I, I yeah. could see those weekend guys, you know, taking an extra payday. And I mean, from the looks of the crowds, I'm sure that they're, you know, not doing too bad, you know, for, for a quick payout for one of these shows. And like, it's always like going to be people like who are just like, yeah, like I know what I'm good at. And like, I just want to get like slapped a little bit. Like, that's all I want to do, you know? 
<laughs> who, who doesn't? Who wanted? Who doesn't want to dress dress up like a hamburger and get slapped? I mean, yeah, that's the like the story of Mayor McCheese, I think. But I'm uh, here for all the McDonald Land character references. If we get into a grimace thing later, I'm I'm all about it. I feel like if we're making McDonald's Land characters wrestlers, grimace just kind of feels like he would be like either like Macho Man or like <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, like. Oh yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like or like Hulk Hogan, could you stop the plane from crashing? I'm gonna I could see that. The plane I could go see down. That. Oh, uh, you could go down this rabbit hole a long time. You got your hamburglar as I don't know, Roddy Piper. That's the first name that comes to my that's brain. A, but you could that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. um, that bird is just uh Oh, I forgot there was a bird. I don't know what the bird's name is. Birdie probably or like Nuggets, Nuggets, China. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go with that. Let's let's say that. Or like, would it be like the like NWO is like the Burger King's Kids Club? Ooh, yes. yes. Wheels. I remember wheels. Yeah, wheels. Um, oh, geez. I, that's the only one I can remember. I feel bad, but uh, wheels is the only one that sticks out in my brain. Kid vid. Kid vid. Okay. Yeah, kid yep. Vid. All right. Yep. Kid vid wheels. That's the NWO to the, you know, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, now that we're going down this track, which of the McDonaldland characters is Crow Sting? Ooh, McDonaldland. Is it Ronald? I mean, it's got to be Ronald, right? Like, Ronald's normal Ronald, but then he goes into the rafters and, like, does the corpse crow paint and just, like, doesn't talk to all of his friends at McMo- McDonaldland until he fights off Kidvid uh, down the line. Honestly, I could see, like, Ronald McDonald like, in a commercial just beating the shit out of some kids in their houses and just, like... <laughs> Hang it out. That's, pro- that's probably happened. But yeah, like you'd have happened. to say with 90s WCW, Sting was the Ronald McDonald of that group. Like, especially like Surfer, Surfer Sting. Like he was definitely the Ronald McDonald. So I could see Ronald kind of, you know, getting betrayed by all of his buddies, uh uh Sheriff uh McCheese or or whatever the the you know, Big Mac, the the mayor, uh those guys, uh, and then kind of turning dark later down the line. Yeah. Sorry, um, I was like looking up. Oh, like there's like a a like Burger King wiki, and I guess it's like <laughs> the Burger King fandom wiki. The same way that like there will be like a put your fandom characters for like Dragon Ball Z or Sonic, but the Burger right, King fandom like wiki is so like the recent activity is Kids Club, Water, Optimus Prime, Sour Cream, Whopper, but um for the Kids Club. Somebody just copied and pasted the Wikipedia page for the KKK. Oh, okay. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait. I, I don't remember them being on the Burger King's kids meal uh, bag, but maybe maybe I blocked that out. Yeah, kids club for life, for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's got a lot of time on their hands to vandalize the Burger King's kids club wiki, but uh, more power to them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, who's going to stop you at that point? It's true. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Some people don't want to spree- preach the word about Wheels, Kid Vid, and the rest of the gang. I love when um, like Conrad Thompson has this great, like, um, like for 83 weeks, Burger King beat McDonald's. 83 weeks. <laughs> it was glorious. Uh, yeah, I do like Conrad. He has so much content, it's hard to absorb all of it. But I do, I, I usually check out the individual clips on YouTube when I have a moment. He's got too much stuff going on. Um, we need to get away from this fast food conversation. Yes. But I have one thing I do need to say. And okay. 
That is Cornette Sanders. <laughs> okay. I can see it. That that makes a lot of sense. What is your feeling? And this was actually something I was like, ah, we probably won't even get into it. What is your what is your take on Jim Jim Cornette? I know he's a very polarizing figure. Uh, this is the last diversion that I want to do before we get into Kaiju Big Battle. Okay. My thing is this. Um you don't there's so many incredible people and such a wealth of information, either from individual people or from kind of the um, meshing of different people and resources that in no art form, in no information form, do you need to keep the people who have credible accusations of various things, like the way that like some trainees were pushed to like be engaged in like a like sexual relationship, like, with his wife or mm-hmm. that have a history of racism. So it's just like, right. Fuck dude. Like I, he comes off really great when he's talking about like Owen Hart dying on dark side of the ring. But also like, if he's just going to like try and be like a shock jock and like belittle people's like accomplishments and be like, Oh, this person is a pedophile with no reason just because yeah. or like, make like racist comments yeah i don't yeah. care <laughs> <laughs> i really wish yeah. because he you're right on the dark side stuff he comes across so well he's usually the most even like the most sensible person on many of those episodes but then when you like listen to his rants on his podcast it's like a different guy who's you know going for a different audience i i really wish he would tone that down because he really is a great mind as far as like wrestling mm. history and and a lot of times when I hear his suggestions of like what companies could do to improve certain angles and storylines, I think oftentimes he is spot on. But just certain things, it's just like, dude, why are you going that far? Uh, like, uh, it's yeah, it's 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 excessive. But I was just, I'm always curious what people's take is on on you know some of these famous figures in wrestling history. And also too, like at a certain point, it's just like. I don't care if somebody's playing a character if the character is doing harm. Like it's like the like whole um oh like is this character actually this shitty as like the things they're saying at, and encouraging. It's like well mm. at that point that's not an interesting <laughs> like that's not important. You're still doing it, you know. Sure, right. Yeah, even if it's done for satire, like you know there is a certain element where you kind of have to take that on and and. I will say his fans in particular are they take yeah. everything that he says like gospel and it's it's a little it's weird considering how like liberal he is but then his fans kind of treat it like it's this cult of personality thing it's very it's very strange to me but anyway that was the last side thing I wanted to get off on No yeah uh and I hope you got off on it uh but let's see you it's a So guys big battle um it's like a Big indie, lots of live shows. Um, they must have been hit pretty hard by the pandemic. They're available on like some streaming, but like it's like a world. Is it World Wrestling Network? Yeah, like World Wrestling Network. I was gonna say. Okay. Yeah, it's um smaller, but like they're they remind me of Chikara for a lot of reasons, but like it seems like they're like a pretty successful, like more niche indie, you know. Yeah, I definitely got the Chikara vibe from what I saw. I mean, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I know you're more familiar with them than I am. It seems like they are more 
like not adult adult, but like Chikara, but aimed towards like older folks. It seems like at least a couple of their shows were in bars, that sort of thing. Yeah, because like Chikara's whole thing was like being family friendly, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, so like the main thing with Kaiju Big Battle is that like it's all in a reality of like there's like, oh, um, the plot of the whole thing is that to stop the world from being destroyed, they decided to let Kaiju fight in wrestling rings and put like some different stuff in there. And like the like announced team like will say stuff like, oh, like your perceptions distorted by this ring. Like those are full size buildings in there, not cardboard boxes with like some windows like out, like, you know, like it's like, okay. Kind of I heard them saying that and I didn't, I, 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 re- I like was like, oh, okay, sure, sure. I didn't realize that there was like more to it beyond that, but that, that all makes sense to me. So like, it's all said in like the, it, it, it's basically like mortal Kombat. It's like, oh, like please come fight here as like a proxy war. Mm-hmm. Except also like it's like and in the wrestling ring, it's actually like a whole city size thing. And like there's like a lot of stuff like, oh, on like the DVD, um, like from like 2006, I have it says stuff like, oh, um, the referee back then is like known for his like supernatural luck and like not being killed when all these like buildings are like crashing down because like he's still like human size, you know, it's like, oh, okay, like small stuff like that. I appreciate that they define what the rules are and they stick with those rules. Like as long as you're consistent about what you're portraying, I'm, I have no problems with it. But also like they do just have like actual size wrestlers come in right. and like their stuff. Like uh, we get like a pretty major name showing up in like one of these clips, which is um, so if there was a Goku in wrestling, it's got to be Koto Bushi. There's somebody who's just like a head empty, loves to fight, loves to travel. Like, dude, it is is like Kotobushi. Like, he's like one of the world's like best, most important wrestlers. Like, it's like it's hard to overstate how how important like he is to the past like ten years and like the next like ten years of like wrestling. You know? Yeah, I I. I basically said not to the goku element but i the the idea that koto bushi would just randomly show up who knows if he was advertised or not but the idea that he would appear at one of these events is very very on brand for koto bushi and i think your your summary of i don't even think it's that i think that koto bushi the character and koto bushi the person are one and the same everything that you said is is spot on to my understanding of him like to really explain to the outsider he's like this very low body fat well muscled like very tiny trunks like airheaded like himbo like japanese dude who's like always portrayed as being like naturally talented at wrestling there's lots of jokes about how like oh um his neck broke his fall there like he's like really dangerous like really like he got kicked out of like I think like Budokan called like was banned from being there because he like went up to like a like balcony and like moonsaulted like onto like somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's known yeah, for that, hating that books. <laughs> I did okay. I hadn't heard that about Kodobushi, but that also makes sense. He hates books because it's like mind control to make you see and like feel and like think things that aren't your own thoughts. 
Okay. This is interesting. Okay. I can get on board with this. That sounds right to me. Yeah. He goes to bed one hour later every day. So he has 24 hours in the day. And his day shifts one hour each day. So he's like, oh, like I went to bed at nine last night and like woke up at like six and I'm going to bed at 10, like waking up at seven. 25 hour day. I don't, uh, I don't think that he's as weird as Vince McMahon, but he might be the second weirdest person in professional wrestling. Just, I mean, a lovable, a lovable oddball. Uh, but gosh, he has so many quirks. Within like the like same time he was at Kaiju Big Battle, he also shot fireworks off his like abs on the streets of London and like went to do like a tournament at WWE and like high five Vince McMahon, then got in trouble because he just thought he was some tall, excited guy and like was like, Oh hey, what's up? And high fived him and then like <laughs> Triple okay, H like, I sat was him gonna down. wonder when like timeline was because my first exposure to Kota Ibushi was that uh that cruiserweight tournament uh so that that's hilarious to just jump from one of those to the next thing the fireworks off the abs I thought what a what a life Kota Ibushi and his family if I remember hearing this right I I heard that his his family is very well off and He's he basically always was just like wild close <laughs> okay and like he just, I want to wrestle. That's what I want to do. I'm just. He's basically a mixture of of Goku, uh, Ryu from Street Fighter. Uh, you sprinkle in a little bit of crazy dust, and that's you got your Kota Ibushi there. Like he, like very much like has that like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure thing of he's always wearing these wild like drip outfits and like wild like shirts and shoes. Like Kota, you, you like you're wearing seventeen hundred dollars worth of stuff right here for an outfit, and like you clearly aren't trying to like like you just like grab this. How do you do that? He'll do a moonsault in it. If you, I guarantee you, he'll he will. He's thirty eight, and he looks like he's like twenty one. He's in amazing shape. He's in amazing, and his and his face has not aged a day since he started wrestling. He's just yeah. He's an immortal. He's a wrestling immortal. Like his, like he made his name in DDT, where he did lots of like wrestling in like public parks and outside, and like flipping into like rivers and stuff, and like all this cool like weird match styles. Um, he is perhaps outside of all of that. He is also has a second important thing, which is that he is one of the Golden Lovers, who are probably wrestling's biggest story. I have to say right now, like as far as like time and appeal like their longest running most important story in wrestling is probably the golden lovers right um you're talking about for kota Ibushi specifically or just in general or in wrestling general in wrestling in wrestling generally the golden lovers is probably one of if not the biggest ongoing story <laughs> it's i man it's hard for me to think of one that's bigger off the top of my head it's got to be one of the most unique ones just because it has spanned companies it is spanned like gosh what like a decade now at least uh, since 2008 it's been going okay on. so there you go but but yeah i mean you, you can tell that kota Bushi and kenny omega take that very seriously you know they if they're going to do something together to kind of advance that storyline even though it's like dormant right now there's still all these little seeds that are planted <laughs> it's so I would not say dormant definitely, you don't think it's dormant i mean they're different companies they're not wrestling right now it's got to be dormant right now right it's just because a volcano's dormant it's still got the magma it's still ready to explode at any moment let's take a second and say both <laughs> kota bushi and kenny omega are 
top in the industry, world-class number ones, incredible top of their companies that are the major companies besides like WWE. And then there's a golden lovers plot. Like not like it's entirely like separate, but like it is also like they are this accomplished without this major plot. That is basically that they are just long-term tag team, best friend lovers, whatever you want to say. And by not dormant, I mean like, like when they both recently won the two biggest titles in wrestling, they were like messaging on Twitter, like maybe together right. we could change the world and like ascend to like Godhood and that kind of stuff. And, and like, not even <laughs> like no chill. Right. Absolutely. No, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll second your motion. That sound, that sounds accurate to me just because there's so many little kernels and li- like little Easter eggs. Like if you're not paying attention, you would have no idea. Like if you were just a normal person, watching AEW from week to week, you would have no idea that Kota Ibushi even existed. But if you know what to look for, you can see that there's these little things sprinkled throughout the storylines, like, you know, the designs on each of their tights sort of referencing each other, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'll get behind that. Though, it's kind of dormant, but, like, they are fucking messy as hell on social media. Like, there were years where Keddy was saying stuff like, not being able to like talk about Kota without like whimpering and then like just yeah just <laughs> they're long term we're like hey want to be the two best wrestlers in the world and also want to like preempt Tumblr and Twitter <laughs> okay right yeah also and maybe do... actually date <laughs> right and I think especially for like you know that company i mean very very progressive stuff stuff that i mean not that anything was like necessarily overt but you know Mm -hmm. definitely something that i think kind of pushed um you know what was considered to be you know acceptable or what people would maybe kind of go for i remember that huge pop when they sort of reunited um in new japan and and you know definitely something that you hadn't really seen in that company uh, and many Japanese companies, for that matter, or even American companies, for the most part. Yeah, and like that time was so interesting too, because like the Golden Lovers wasn't a New Japan story. Neither were the Elite, and it was like all these incredible stories of plot lines taking over the wrestling world. And like New Japan was like kind of in the background for a lot of that momentum that was like mm-hmm. pushing that forward. But uh, <laughs> that's also. Not Kaiju Big Battle, just but uh, <laughs> the Kaiju Big Battle episode that is ninety uh, percent not Kaiju Big Battle, but we we still soldier on, everybody. Yeah, and uh, just so the main thing I wanted to show with like this whole like playlist is lots of fun characters based off of weird gimmicks. It's like definitely got like a little bit of like the um, late night TV humor. Like um, there's like an American Beetle character that. Uh, has like a like broken back and like that kind of stuff and like all kinds of like fun jokes about that there's like blood spots where like it, and like a battle royale like a cheeseburger gets cut and like starts bleeding yes i really enjoyed that 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 spot in that match i will here's what i'll say about the playlist i found that every match that i watched i enjoyed more than the previous one so like that american beetle versus hell monkey match in that playlist by the end i was like Oh gosh, this is going to be rough getting, getting through all this stuff. But by uh, that uh, that DDT versus Kaiju Big Battle match, I was super into that, uh, and it, and it won me over. No, that was like 
kind of my intent too to be like hey let's work through some history and like let's show this is 20 years but also like it has high points but yeah like um the crowd energy is so hot for these two um like their crowds are so into it and like it's partially like their indie shows like they'll just play like licensed music the whole time and like be like oh wait like this is a stream later well we're small enough you know Right, I was. I'm trying to think of how what I felt about that. If I was in favor of it or or not. I think for that like live environment, it would be cool. Like if you're just taking, you know, some people who maybe like don't really follow wrestling and don't really care so much about wrestling, they would probably be more into it once they hear like, oh, it's the Mortal Kombat theme or you know whatever else is playing over the the PA system. I think it's like interesting too because in a live environment you can't assume people know what wrestling is or what your stories are, which is interesting mm-hmm. to think about. Yeah. I think they did a good job. Like it, it seems like professor cube is kind of like the, the narrative that everything's running through. I mean, it's very easy to understand. Like he's the bad guy. He has all of his minions. You have the good, like, it seems like they did a really good job of kind of each show sort of representing like, here's the characters you need to boo. Here's what you need to cheer. You know, this you're, you're watching a live Godzilla movie, that sort of thing. And it's interesting, like, too, because, like, I, like, recently saw this documentary that was talking about, um, for part of it, how a lot of early, like, low graphic, like, video games would have their enemies be wrestlers because they had an iconic look and moveset and, like, the grab and the suplex and, like, Mm -hmm. the muscles and the, like, boots and, like, trunks. Uh, And I think there's something about mixing up these two genres that work so much in iconography where it's like oh we're mixing up like this very distilled wrestling of here is this move and also this like distilled character work where it's just like very fun as like a way to look at the whole the whole like field of wrestling itself too like Mm -hmm. you know have you been to to one of their live shows before or no i have not no okay I was curious how long their shows go on for, because like I like by the end with like the super potato stuff, who's like an incredible athlete. I don't know who that dude like is. He's got to be somebody who's actually like wrestling outside of Kaiju big battle, I would assume. But uh, I would just like, especially for that first match of like imagining myself being in the crowd for like two hours of that. And I was like, I don't know that I would even as a big wrestling fan, enjoy that. But by the end, like those other matches, I was like, okay, this is starting to pick up in athleticism. I, I can sort of get into this a little bit more, but I I would be curious how long they kind of structure those shows for. I would assume probably about an hour to two hours, I would guess. Yeah, probably, because I know they do do lots of cool venues. Like, honestly, they had, like, some incredible spots. Like, that um, American Beetle versus, like, Hell Monkey, like, right before the, like, pandemic one, had, mm-hmm. like, these, like, cool stacks of, like, cans that made it look like skyscrapers and like the way they can like have some different places like that that's a lot of fun honestly yeah and like yeah it's a high energy show i think too because like i don't know how much the ongoing plots matter or if they do at all like i know there's some stuff like some characters have died or like turned heel but also it's probably like a like like book more like model where it's like oh we're in the middle of like the carnage arc right now, but don't worry. Like in mm-hmm. one year, we'll be back to 
when Iron Man's not like an alcoholic or something, all that kind of stuff, you know? That would be my suspicion, yeah. I, it definitely seems like a type of show that is structured towards like getting not only your hardcore fans, but a lot of casual people who may be coming along with those hardcores. Like, hey, come out. Like, you can enjoy the show. There's not a whole lot of, you know, lore that you need to be familiar with. We're going to catch you up to speed. Just kind of come out and, and show up. And I could see, like, you mentioned that they they have run shows at, like, E3 before, right? Yes. Yeah. I could see them running a lot of shows that, like, that type of circuit, where it's like a convention. We need, like, entertainment acts, that sort of thing. Like, this seems like it is tailor-made for that type of thing. Just a, a, a nice way to be able to kind of kill an hour, provide some entertainment, that sort of thing. And also, like, I think um, there's something about the, like, movesets from wrestling and the costumes where it's like, oh, I like that it's, like, messy that you're in this massive foam, like, costume trying to do, like, one drop kick and, like, it's not perfect. Like, there's something about, <laughs> like, your buy-in there that's, like, makes you like it more a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, I was impressed by the fact that none of their heads fell off. Right? Like every other time uh, I ever see, you know, anyone doing anything in a costume like that. Like I remember Chikara, actually, we've mentioned them a couple times now, but I remember there was like that famous clip with like Dragon Dragon where his head kept falling off over and over in the middle of the match. But not once did I see that in any of these clips. So very commendable. <laughs> when like Kid Vid comes out and goes like, I will shock you. That's the shock. It like, <laughs> falls over, loses head. Yeah, it all thing. comes full circle. Back to Kid Vid, the Burger King's Cl- Kids Club, WCW references, etc. Uh, I really didn't think that I had gotten into wrestling until like 2019, but then when Sting came out, I was like crying. I was like, wait, what? I like have like a vivid memory of like Sting in like the 90s that was like wild. Okay, that it's it's crazy the type of nostalgia that can can overcome you when you're watching it. And like Wrestling is so unique because it's this weird blend of fantasy and reality because it's it's unlike a comic book where like you can feel like you're close to these characters and whatnot, but ultimately it's, you know, it's ink on a page, that sort of thing. Whereas these are like real life human beings. You're spending however much time with them every single week. Like you're seeing them age. You're seeing yes. like, like, yes, like, I remember. And, you know, it's it's a weird thing to stick in my brain, but I remember back oh gosh when would that have been SummerSlam, 2004 2005 one of those types of things but basically randy orton uh was against chris benoit for the world title and i remember vividly randy orton was like crying at the end of that match because he was like legitimately so happy to have won that world title and and like i just remember that moment like sticking with me and resonating with me as like this is a hundred percent real for him in that moment, even though like it's not an actual contest between two rivals. Like it's just it's it's something that you really can't replicate in any other form of entertainment. Yeah, wrestling is kind of like if cosplay was a confessional, it's like just kind of like this very intimate way that you're engaging with somebody's persona over mm-hmm. time, like you said. And like I really do like just it's great because like you can't help but blend the two like Randy Orton and Randy Orton like it's they're like they're close enough just through repetition like there's that bleed over it and like that happens too if like a lot of like um LARPing has this term like I forget like the exact one but like 
for that like role play bleed where like they'll have like moments to like relax or talk or like different drills basically to like help you return to normalcy <laughs> like after okay. like after something that's like kind of intense too so like that's kind of what wrestling is also doing like there's that bleed you know yeah yeah no i could i could see that um yeah i had no idea that i mean i guess that makes sense i never really thought about it in the context of like larping how you're like sort of so invested in the moment then you have you need that time to sort of decompress you know you don't have somas like so many wrestlers abused back in the in the 90s to yeah as a downer but this is probably for the best in, in that case yeah um it's like full-on like a larp wiki on like bleed and stuff like that kind of makes me think of like assassin's creed too or like it in those games like there's characters like like um their time in their past memories like gives them excessive like, powers in like modern day but like yeah oh right sure and like uh, also yeah i can see that it's very pure because like the point of entertainment like is to like kind of make that like bleed happen a little bit like make like make john mcclain like a little bit like real you know mm-hmm Absolutely. Like you, you want to suspend your disbelief and you want to get invested in those characters. And I mean, with professional wrestling, if you can get, you know, out of your own head and sort of like take it for what it is and not like overanalyze, like, well, if a guy tossed me by my arm, I'm not really going to bounce off the rope. Like if you can just accept the conventions of what this actually is, like there is a real authentic like connection that is created with these characters that is developed you know, not only just years, but like decades, like in the case of a guy like Sting, where you see him and you, you, you know what he's been through. Like you remember, you know, oh, he got his neck really hurt really bad when he was wrestling in WWE a couple of years. We thought he'd never come back again, but here he is now. Yeah. But it's definitely this unique blend of fantasy and reality that is just, you can't replicate it any, any other way. Like in the case of, like a, a sitcom, let's say a sitcom, a drama, something like that. Like you can be invested in the character, but that's still somebody playing a character, and like you're not seeing them break necessarily. Like they're always on on your TV set going to be portraying, you know, like you said, John McClane or something like that. Whereas in wrestling, you are absolutely getting these little glimpses, and sometimes more than glimpses, of like these real people who are taking real time away from their families on the road all the time, and it's just so interesting to me and i think um part of the reason that this is so interesting and so like relevant right now is that we're in a very overly analytical age like when somebody messes up like there are people online being like oh why didn't you like talk to like this group or have this form or have like this procedure there's stuff like oh it sucks that like um this doesn't make sense in Star Trek. And like, it's like when you go by like what's in the wiki, this isn't factual anymore. Like you right. can't have like a, like Kyber crystal do that. Like you can't have like something go that speed. And I think like, um, mm. when you look at like how movies used to do makeup, like even stuff like less intense than like the full on like German, like expressionism stuff. Like there's like definitely, this whole weird push towards reality and towards like fact and towards like cold, hard truth. That's 
really what wrestling kind of rebels against. It's like, no, I'm showing my pain, so I'm going to sell versus I'm showing my pain, so I'm going to like necessarily bleed here or necessarily like be in pain here. And mm-hmm. kind of like right now, like people want to reject like the very like wiki focused, like what's fact, what's real kind of like way people are about stuff, I think. Right. Yeah, I never, I never really thought about it like that, but I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. And um, two things I do want to hit are one, um, that "Peel Me Now" music video is kind of dope. I've like, I have definitely sang that to myself a couple times per what? week since I like first watched that like whole uh, back in the day, like DVD. But was "Peel Me Now" was that the one that you had in the playlist, or was that a different one? Peel Me Now was the whole like silver potato one in the playlist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like, I liked that a lot. I, bef- so at the very beginning of the match before that with, with silver potato in it, my very first note about that match is I'm a silver potato guy. And that's even before he did anything cool. I just liked how s- ridiculous he looked and like just, it's a big silver costume circle thing that you can just see kind of like his chin sticking out of and stuff like that. Uh, big silver potato fan, and then I think that music video just put it over the top for me. So I think he was the the big star that c- came out of uh, this playlist for me personally. It's it's a very silver, very iconic look. Uh, uh, it's like very simple, uh, and also like it's really dumb. This like here's this like breakdancing potato that's like really good at like weird like technical like flyer like wrestling stuff. Like, and like it's just like oh like he's breakdancing that kind of stuff it's a lot of fun yeah, i i tried looking him up i was like okay i need to know who this person is this has to be a wrestler that i, right? I have heard of somewhere i i couldn't find out anything so it's it's still i haven't gotten a wink of sleep since i saw it he has to be somebody like he wrestles too well but like maybe it's just like a like side gig or something or maybe he's like their one real Right. You know? I don't know. Super talented, though. Like, that guy has to be uh, doing at least somewhat well on the indies, I would have to assume. He's just, he's too good not to. Yeah, like, maybe it's like, oh, uh, and that's actually what, like, Sami Zayn's up to when he's not, like, a WWE super <laughs> That would be amazing. I mean, who's gonna know? You know, that would be great. But I, but my favorite match, even with Silver Potato, my favorite match was that absolute last one on on that playlist, the DDT versus Kaiju Big Battle. What a great match! Like you cannot get over how incredible the crop of talent they have in there, like young guys and like TDT, like Takashita, like um, like part of that, like they're yeah, like three I've or four, like Takashita. major young dudes. Yeah. I, but I've, I've not seen him before. He was he was great. Like this match, honestly, after I watched it, I was like, okay, how can I incorporate this into one of the hard mark episodes? Like, how can I introduce this to my co-host and, and do this justice? But this is absolutely going to be something that I show him, and I think he's going to love it. Oh, let me do. Let me know if you're doing Kaiju Big Battle or like DDT because DDT, their outside stuff, their like whole matches where it's like six wrestlers like board a train and just fight mm-hmm. while the train's moving and stop when the train stopped and like <laughs> that kind of stuff like it's incredible like it's just okay i might i so i had planned on eventually getting to the point where we did like one of the uh omega ibushi uh the one from peter pan whatever yeah. year that would have been 
Um, but some of these other ones, I think he'd probably like just as much, if not more. There's ones right now where they have that belt that like the Young Bucks book won. So they brought the belt and the Young Bucks book and everyone's trying to like pin the Young Bucks book. But then like. Oh, the heavy metal yeah. iron weight title or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Or oh, there was like one recently that was like inside like an indoor um, water park. And like they were like <laughs> suplexing down slides and stuff. Gosh, man, you're tempted. I might need to subscribe to their streaming service one of these days. I need I need to investigate. It does also get you Tokyo Joshi and Noah. And Noah is wild. Like Noah is a wild. Just I uh, wish I, I got in more Noah because it's like some of the best wrestling in the world. Noah and DDT are owned by the same parent company now, right? Like that just happened within yeah. the past year or so. Yeah. Okay, and then um, Mudo, he's, or was, the the champion up until recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like he lost that to Marafuji, right? That's what I heard, yeah. I saw just like the very tail end of that match. I actually, not that you saw it, but when I briefly had my camera on earlier, I actually have a, a painted uh, Muda from uh, Rob Schomburger, Schamburger, however you pronounce his name. The, the wrestling painter uh, I ordered from him back when he originally was kind of starting out that i have in the office here oh that's awesome actually i'm my wife does not like it uh i usually i used to have that back when we were living in an apartment in the bedroom she wasn't a big fan of it there but now that it's in the office uh i I don't get as much grief about it yeah (laughs) as long as she doesn't wake up and get night terrors looking at the great mood she's she's okay yeah no that makes sense there um yeah the main things from that match that I, yeah. that I think stuck out to me, the Whole Foods thing was like the main disappointment for me. I was hoping so much that they were actually going to fight inside of the Whole Foods. There is a point. So I made this like whole playlist to be like one hour, cover 20 odd years, but there's a lot of DDT crossover. This was just like really recent and like high quality, but like... Mm-hmm. There's lots of like 2009, like Kota, like Abushi on like a, a like massive like crucifix. Okay, has like they're trying to turn him into like a like kaiju. But damn, the DDT and kaiju big battle, it feels so incredible. Like just like a perfect like match made in heaven. And when he says like go to like let's go to Whole Foods because they're gonna fight <laughs> at Whole Foods, right? <laughs> it's wild. It was amazing. Uh, that that was for me at the point in the match where I was like, okay, yes, let's do this. The praying, the praying bar walk was good. Yeah. And then the we're going to Whole Foods really that that did it for me. And I think the the piece de resistance this had to be a callback. This had to be a reference. But the bit the where chair. Takashita is running with the couch, I was like, okay, this is just like when Muda yeah, the run down the Tokyo. Like this has got to be a callback to that. He's saying go to Whole Foods. Then he disappears and comes <laughs> back off a couch. And they're in the middle of Brooklyn. So you don't know where like he got it, but you have an idea. And he just hits right. them with it and does like a double. Was it like a hey like drop kick onto the couch? Just on the sidewalk. There's no mat there. There's a people all around like watching it. That couch bump was impressive. I actually came away thinking like, wow, that was actually pretty good. I like that a lot. That's what happens. Like. When you're trained to wrestle in like wild situations like it, like DDT, that's why they have like some of the best wrestlers. Yeah. 
in like five years, like I would not be surprised if like their big four or five people now are like major, major names. But um, I, I, I forget like um who had it, but they recently had a match that was like a um hey like um kids bedroom nightmare match like where they had like Legos and they had like a like race car bed and they were like fighting and <laughs> okay was that it was that inside or was that was that an outside thing that was inside I think okay okay gotcha no that that also sounds intriguing to me the Lego thing ugh, I don't know that I would yeah it's, it's a toss up between that and thumbtacks for me uh, also the U-Haul the, the U-Haul yes. was insane I thought for sure initially I was just like oh like there's no way that this company would have closed the street down this yeah. is just a random person driving their U-Haul through the street yeah exactly they're very upset I was watching this match a like third time and I was like oh yeah there's somebody mad at them for clogging the street with people <laughs> but no it was Professor Cube with the U-Haul and like no offense to um Takagi here but like Takashita shines so much in this match just like with his like weird chaotic like he randomly says like brain buster all on top of the U-Haul that brain buster on the U-Haul was insane I was just like oh my god that is a I can't imagine doing that move on the top of a U-Haul that's it's that was very impressive and like part of me was like I feel like the DDT guys I know are like well seasoned at this. I hope that the like Kaiju B battle guys are prepared to keep up because no offense, they're costumes. They aren't like names like that. Like I hope they're right. ready to like, keep up, but they did great. Yeah, they did. I mean, some of the costumes got a little torn up by the, by the end of it, but, uh, but yeah, no, they, they held their own. I mean, it, the match was definitely designed to sort of showcase the DDT guys, but, but the Kaiju, um, fellas definitely held their own. Um, I also really enjoyed, the the squish into the photo booth towards the end of the match yes. where everybody's just kind of cramped in that was a nice cherry on that sunday and i think the part that i thought was funniest was when they kind of file back into the ring there were people who didn't even leave the arena right <laughs> like what were you doing the whole time i was so upset with that i was like well, why why did you stay and then the announcer's like, here's what you missed when we went outside. And like, if I was one of those people sitting there like, oh, I missed a brain buster on top of a U-Haul. Well, I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, I, <laughs> they were so content to just sit there. It's not like they have like a like Tron there. Like the person filming that was probably like filming that on like a like pretty basic like Sony camera on like a shotgun. Right. Like it wasn't like coming back like into the venue, you know? Right, for sure. And it was not, it wasn't like a ton of people, but it was a not insignificant number of people who just decided we're going to sit here and wait for them to come back to us. This video of this match only has 1400 views, which is wild to me. Uh, that does seem, that seems low for, for as great as this is that, uh, this should be more known to people, I think, because it is very recent, right? When did this happen? Like, was it pre pandemic? This was uploaded October 9th, twenty twenty. I don't think that's when it happened. Oh. I, uh, okay. I it must have happened like in twenty nineteen, if I had to guess. Maybe it was like a WrestleMania weekend thing. I wouldn't be shocked if it was that. Yeah, probably. Um, the top comment on this video though is that DDT owns a bar in Tokyo where their wrestlers pour your drinks. They're very friendly. And <laughs> see my point. This is the best wrestling company. <laughs> It is. It is. In fact, I think um, who was uh, Takashita's partner? 
Um, Takagi, but Sanshiro, not Shingo Takagi. Okay. I think he's the owner of that bar, and I think he is the primary bartender. I remember wanting to go there, but I did not actually go there. Oh, that's... Yeah. I just... Uh, I feel like it would be... I would have so, like such weird FOMO if I was in Japan, because I'd be like, wait... I want to do all the things, but also not be a weirdo, like, you know? Right, yeah, for sure. And it's, like, in my case, I was traveling with, like, three other people, and so I felt weird, like, subjecting them to all of my interests. So, like, it, there was a certain level of, like, give and take and negotiation involved. So, you know, I'm happy that I got a chance to go to Wrestle Kingdom. Next time, the DDT bar is definitely on my on my wish list. I at least stopped by the Antonio Inoki restaurant, so that oh, was nice. I would probably go the Gundam slash common rider restaurant and maybe probably the common rider museum but yeah that's wild like i if i could like get chopped by like someone like a doki like maybe not like nowadays but you know wait <laughs> sure, right yeah, yeah. Just, take what you can get though wait is Enoki alive because i remember it being reported he wasn't and then he was he is still alive. Yeah, there was a report that was going around that he was either in ill health or was, you know, failing health or whatever, but then it was came out that he he is still still alive. And he he also, you know, this this would have been taped before, you know, all those news reports came out anyway, but I know he was actually featured on that dark side of the ring about the uh North Korean uh wrestling show, the collision in Korea. That dude's wild shin. If there's anything that you want to actually see about like anybody Antonio Inoki's chin. Um, like there's that fight scene where he's fighting this other dude named like Inoki or like the Great Lake Antonio. Oh, the Great Antonio. Yeah. I that's also on my list of things to show the co-host. Oh, damn. No, um there's a lot of excitement for wrestling here, which is why like, there's so many tangents, but this dude just does not properly do his part in the match and is like being really rude. So he just gets the shit kicked out of him. Right. There's, uh, I almost don't want, because that story is so, like, perfect just in and of itself. And there's two YouTube videos for anybody who's kind of curious to, like, hear about this professional wrestling match that turned into, like, a legitimate ass-kicking in the middle of the match. But there's one video that is the match, but with comedian Bill Burr's commentary over it that's really, really good. There's also, and I think it just actually got re-uploaded. I was watching it like a week or so ago. There, somebody put together like a kind of mini documentary, like 10, 15 minutes long around the life of the great Antonio. It's really good, but it also paints that uh, match with Antonio Inoki in kind of like a darker light. Like this guy kind of had mental problems. So I don't know. If, if you If you don't mind ruining that match to a certain degree, it's worth checking out. The guy had a truly fascinating life he was like a legit celebrity in montreal and would like pull buses with his facial hair and all this other or no his head hair it was the hair on top of his head uh all this other crazy stuff but um yeah there's i i just recently watched that and it's uh it's worth checking out it just you know it, it paints a sad picture of the great antonio i think that's another weird point for why wrestling is like so like currently like so popular there's definitely a real element of oh there's real stories here too like that dark side of the ring could have like 10 seasons and like still have interesting stuff like even if it's not like all is like high profile there's just so much interesting weirdness there you know oh absolutely i mean there's 
gosh, just, I mean, in the decades, I mean, it's almost a hundred years. Well, it is actually over a hundred years at this point. Uh, but there's just so much history, like depending on how far back you wanted to go, I've always been captivated by kind of the idea of the territories, yes. you know, through the 50s, 60s, 70s, just like how akin to almost like the mafia it was back then. Like that's always been a fascinating element of pro wrestling to me. I have a favorite like pre-modern period like story. If like you do, because like I like do definitely have like a I really would love to see this be shown to people or like in a movie or like a dramatic like retelling like um that's probably the um junkyard dog was this like really popular like black wrestler like in like the like 70s and 80s and um he had this like whole angle where a bunch of other wrestlers were like in the kkk or just like acted like it and they blinded him and then the next week he came out and like they tried to beat him up like again and a and a fan jumped into the ring with a gun and said, I've got your back, Junkyard Dog. And the <laughs> Junkyard Dog, who has to pretend to be blind still because it's part of the show, would be like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, yeah. There's so many stories like that, too. I mean, like Roddy Piper, I think he's been stabbed like two or three times. Uh, something like that. Like, it's just it's crazy just how people were so into it and were willing to like literally risk their own lives for the like the lives of the wrestlers and just you know all the stories kind of going back through history on that um one question that kind of popped in my head is we were talking not that it even really has any connection now that i'm thinking about it do what do you think about the upcoming uh netflix hulk hogan and vince mcmahon uh things that are going to be coming out in the next year or so they're going to be puff pieces like in a lot of ways i'm not sure if like we're going to get like chris hemsworth like just like stealing the spotlight from like randy savage like a lot like i'm not right. sure if that's gonna happen um the vince mcmahon one could be like fun but like you'd have to extract your own truth from it you know yeah i agree i think that the hulk one is for sure going to be a puff piece there's no way that hulk is going to allow sort of that warts and all sort of representation of what arguably should be you know shown in a in a whatever auto uh biographical view of, of his life the vince mcmahon one like as much as i would love a hundred percent like real depiction of like vince's life people wouldn't believe it like there's just so many weird facts about vince mcmahon like you you half the things that you hear about vince you're like no that can't be true but like it is it's just i i, I don't know I, I i have very cautious expectations around it i'll give it a watch especially the vince one but i just I think that that guy is a unique, horrible, uh, complicated human being. Know what I just realized we're going to get in the next like two years now, actually? What's that? A real Oscar bait New Jack movie. <laughs> oh, gosh. Who, do we know who plays New Jack? Is, there, is it uh, uh, the Burger King Kids Club Kids? Or, or it's somebody? probably John Boyega, actually. Okay. okay. I was, I like, can, he's you know got what? like... Like the right like face shape like a round face right a new jack feature film there was supposed to be a mick foley feature film never came to fruition but yeah new jack it seems like the Mel gibson s <laughs> exactly uh the mass transit incident sort of the the you know the climactic scene that sort of thing i could also see like 
I would actually really love like a very positive, like very puff piece, like Paul Heyman movie, just because that would be really funny to me. I yeah, I I would watch anything related to Paul Heyman that was put in front of me. I think that he is an amazing public speaker. Um, I think that he does have a really unique, interesting story about just you know, even you don't even have to be a wrestling fan, just you know, a kid who yeah basically bullshitted his way into the industry that he was trying to get into uh, via both luck, happenstance, and just, you know, banging his head on walls and, and you know, has done pretty much everything that there is to do in the world of professional wrestling. So, really, I, I would watch that. Like, I don't want, like, a good one. I want, like, a bad one. Like, I want, like, a beautiful <laughs> mind, but it's, like, Tom Holland as, like, Paul Heyman. Right. Okay. I could. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Anyone who does not look anything physically resi- remotely close to Paul Heyman. Scarlett um, Johansson is Paul Heyman. Yes. There we go. The perfect Paul Heyman. Scarlett Johansson just manipulating ECW wrestlers into jumping off of balconies and whatnot. I think that would be the ideal scenario for that. And then they'd have like a like dream sequence where like Vince Vaughn as Tommy Dreamer like shoots Paul Heyman at <laughs> WrestleMania. See, that's good casting. See, I was trying to think who would play Tommy Dreamer, but Vince Vaughn today, like today's Vince Vaughn, I could absolutely see him as uh, as Tommy Dreamer. And I mean, hey, he was already in that Page movie. He's already got the wrestling chops for it. I'm sure he could do a bang up job. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine like, but I would love like an actual like non non WWE, but like Paul Hammond or like ECW like movie kind of thing. Like, that'd be fun. That would be fun. I I, <laughs> I I won't get my hopes up, but I I would absolutely watch anything related to uh, to ECW. Just it's always a fun trip down memory lane for me. Yeah, and um, I'm glad that like you still have people like the ECW original Matt Cardona to help you out with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All of his fans, the the true internet champion Matt Cardona. What a glow um, up for that dude! Like I'm so glad for him yeah yeah no it is good for him it seemed like it's it's gonna be interesting has he ever discussed what happened with the whole AEW thing because it was very strange that he came in did a couple of things and then was very quickly and quietly sort of shuffled out of there which which does not seem to be what they've done with virtually anyone else on their roster well except they've done it with people like Jeff Cobb and Maki Ito and like Laredo Kid and um Takashita too where it was like oh they have had people like pass through like it is like a territory so I'm wondering if that was always the intention yeah I guess so I mean the Jeff Cobb thing it felt like he basically like was kind of shopping around and seeing Mm -hmm. where he wanted to go and ended up signing with New Japan you know Maki Ito I get why she couldn't stay over here but I would expect that she would return back it just felt like Matt uh, Matt, yeah, Matt Cardona had so many sort of inroads with AEW that I'm surprised he didn't stick around longer and do more. But um, I, I think it'll be better for him to kind of reestablish himself, and then you know who knows. And also, like he did get let go during the first of the yearly pandemic layoffs, so like he hasn't had time with an active Indies or like places to shop around. And he's like maybe. His thought is, I won't get to define myself if I'm in AEW. Like, I'll just, like, seem like the same dude and they need to, like, actually go somewhere, like, different, like, do other things. Yeah, and I think that would be a completely viable thing to think. You know, I, I, I for me, just seeing him in AEW, I'm just expecting, like, okay, it's 
Zack Ryder, but he's not named Zack Ryder anymore. But I'm basically expecting the same character. Whereas, you know, if he reinvents himself with, you know, this Nick Gage thing and whatever, whatever else he ends up doing, I, I think that would be good for him. Yeah. And uh, so we have went a little long with a lot of passion, but that is just fine by me. But uh, we should start wrapping up a little bit. And with that, like, I have to ask, um, when you're not talking about kaiju but still talking about some wrestling where can people find you eric uh people can find me on instagram that's probably the place that i'm most active you can find me at hard mark podcast on instagram uh we're also on facebook uh, we're t- on twitter i don't tend to use twitter all that often but instagram is the best spot uh to reach out if you have any questions about wrestling or you know just want to say hi uh instagram would be the place for that hard mark podcast awesome you can find uh, me on twitter.com at James Forge. You can find the podcast at Common Ride with Me, commonmary.com, wherever podcasts are sold. You can uh, check out uh, commonmary.com slash episodes for all of our episodes with links to different services, commonmary.com slash merch for links to, to our merch. And as always, that money goes direct to charity. Um, we've like um, done places like um, The Trevor Project, Humanitarian Aid in Lake Palestine, so all kinds of like cool spots there. And yeah, uh, we normally um, end with a lesson we've learned, but I guess like, let's think actually what wrestling should you watch if you want to get into wrestling off of all this conversation? Oh gosh. Uh, oh man. So I'm going to have to go. So again, not to keep plugging this thing, but Hardmark podcast, uh, the number one ranked match as according to my co-host who really knows very little about wrestling or about snakes, depending on what he may tell you. Uh, the number one ranked match that we've watched so far is Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon ladder match at WrestleMania 10. So that's the one you should watch according to our scientific data. So that's my answer. I'm going to say if you have a little time, I would definitely maybe check out like a list of top 10 matches on either like, new japan world or like the like ddt like cyber agent uh thing and like check out two or three of those that might be really cool like if you want to expand your horizons um if you have like some AEW or some impact they're both pretty strong consistently if you want to like check out when like a big event was like a big match like a cage match or something yeah um yeah i for one will definitely be checking out more ddt you've you've officially sold me on some of that stuff you're saying Sean Michaels, Razor Ramon. I'm going to say you should watch uh, the uh, <laughs> first match. It's on YouTube. It seems oddly short, but uh, Brody Lee versus Cody Rhodes, uh, their first match. That's, that's a good match. I love I that match. That's a good recommendation. That That's a great match. I love it. But no. So much for coming on. It was great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
Mas que...